Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. A team of short-term missionaries and I just got back from Florida this past week where we were visiting a sister church, Multiply Christian Church, in Winter Haven, Florida, Florida with Ben and Jody Abbott. And with your help and your financial assistance, we were able to help uh, remodel their food pantry and paint it and build some shelves and really uh, help and encourage them to continue reaching into their community with the love of Christ. And I just wanted to say thank you for allowing us to go and helping us while we were down there uh, take care of our that church plant that we've helped church that we have helped plant um, by financially supporting uh, Ben and Jody and Multiply Christian Church. So thank you very much. And um, while we were down there. During our downtime, we had taken our kitchen table and made it into a ping pong table. And I got an opportunity to play ping pong against Jacob Blouse, our online minister, and Kenzie Sweetman, and uh, Trey Cochran, two of our recent graduates, and I, I just crushed them. I, I absolutely destroyed them in ping pong. Um, it got so bad at one point that I took off my flip-flop and I started using it as a paddle. And uh, I, I still beat them. I, I just... Just whooped them up so bad, and I'm really proud of that fact. And then uh, one night, we were playing, and Kenzie Sweetman and I were playing, and I wasn't taking the game very seriously. And I was keep letting her stay in the game, and I was trying some trick shots and some curves, and, uh, and she hung around and all of a sudden took the lead. And then she beat me. She won by two and beat me, and uh, she's still proud. She's going around bragging everybody that she beat me at ping pong. And um, I, I said to her, I can't believe this happened. The mighty Casey has struck out. And she said, I don't know what you're talking about. And she didn't know what I was talking about. Um, and she beat me because I didn't put forth any effort. And I lost. I wonder sometimes if in our relationship with Christ, if we don't continually put forth effort to grow and deepen that relationship, if we would strike out and lose too. The problem is, if we are going down that path, it's not just losing a stupid ping pong game. It is an effect that has life and death consequences for eternity. And I wonder where you are in your relationship with Christ and how you, and and I wonder if you are deepening that relationship by developing habits that build your trust in God, or if you're just kind of cruising along, lackadaisical, not taking it seriously. That is one of the big pictures and big takeaways that we have in Daniel chapter 6 today. Turn in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 6. I want to show you the difference between uh, kind of what my life has been in uh, not taking God as seriously as I should and uh, the kind of life that does trust and entrust themselves to God as seriously as they can um, every day, consistently, persistently, with a, with a habit, a lifelong habit that builds trust in God. Turn to Daniel chapter 6. You know, in Daniel chapter 1, we are called to attention that God is in control in spite of what it looks like to our physical eyes and in spite of the circumstances Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are going through. In Daniel chapter 2, Daniel gives God the glory for the dream and the interpretation. In Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stand firm in their faith and they trust God. And they trust God so much that they are willing to die in order to not commit sin. 
Daniel chapter 4, we read about how God intervenes and can even bring about um, a change of heart with uh, a king who thinks he is as big and as great as God. In Daniel chapter 5, we read about God's call uh, for all of us, including Belshazzar, to repentance. In Daniel chapter 6, we see another angle from God on Daniel's life where he is willing to die so that he won't it's not like Daniel chapter 3 where they're willing to die so they won't commit sin. This one is Daniel chapter 6 where he's willing to die so he will not omit a duty and relationship to God. Let me, let me read Daniel chapter 6 and then we'll talk about how that relates to us treating our faith kind of lackadaisical. Chapter 6 verse 1, It pleased Darius to appoint 120 satraps to rule throughout the kingdom with three administrators over them, one of whom was Daniel. Yeah, the Persian conquest of the Medes and Babylon was the greatest empire the world had ever seen up to that point. And it needed to be divided um, into different rulings and different provinces just so they could rule effectively. The satraps, verse 2, were made accountable to them so that the king might not suffer loss. Apparently, uh, government uh, waste and official uh, and stealing from the official is not a new concept. Verse 3, now Daniel so distinguished himself among the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. At this, the administrators and the satraps tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, We will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of his God. So these administrators and satraps went as a group to the king and said, May King Darius live forever. The royal administrators, prefects, satraps, advisors, and governors have all agreed that the king should issue an edict and enforce the the decree that anyone who prays to any god or human being during the next 30 days except to you, your majesty, shall be thrown into the lion's den. Now, your majesty, issue the decree and put it in writing so that it cannot be altered in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. So King Darius put the decree in writing. Now, verse 10. uh, If you take away anything from this chapter or if you memorize anything of Daniel at all, would you memorize Daniel chapter 6, verse 10, this verse right here? Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Daniel was used to praying. Um, I have a tendency, unfortunately, and we're going to talk about this, that um, I tend to go to God when there is a crisis when the circumstances around me have fallen, when I can no longer move on my own power. That's when I go to God in prayer the most. Daniel was just the opposite of me. Daniel was consistently, daily, persistently in communion with God in prayer. This was not a crisis prayer. This was his habit. This is really important um, that if you can take away nothing else but this, and you don't remember anything else but this, this from this message. Listen, our character is not forged in crisis. Crisis only reveals what we have built inside of us. If you have been like me, 
and you have been lackadaisical in your prayer life and lackadaisical with your communion with God and you are not daily, consistent, persistently spending time with God. When crisis comes, you will panic. You will not know how to handle it and you will not have your heart prepared. Daniel was prepared. He had always, every single day, Every day, three times a day, Psalm 55, 17 says, morning, noon, and night, I go and pray to you. Uh, Daniel had consistently and persistently done this probably his whole life in Babylon. So this wasn't a crisis prayer. This was just his daily habit. And so when the crisis hit, that if anybody prayed to anybody but Darius, uh, the go-between between all the gods that are represented in Babylon, they'd be thrown in lion's den. Daniel just did what he always did. He went and prayed. Verse 11, then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human being except you, your majesty, would be thrown into the lion's den? The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and Persians, which cannot be repealed. Then they said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Then the men went as a group to King Darius and said to him, Remember, your majesty, that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no decree or edict that the king issues can be changed. So the king gave the order, and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation may, might not be changed. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night without eating and without any entertainment being brought to him, and he could not sleep. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel! Servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, May the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. The king was overjoyed and gave orders to, uh, excuse me, verse 24. At the king's command, the men who had falsely accused Daniel were brought in and thrown into the lion's den, along with their wives and children. And before they reached the floor of the den, the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth, May you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. And here's his song. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. I know I talked about Daniel and his prayer life already. But the main point of chapter 6 and the main point of all six chapters of Daniel that we have covered so far is, is not, believe it or not, it's not be more like Daniel. The main point of chapter 6 
And the main point of Daniel's chapters 1 through 6. And the main point of Daniel's chapter 1 through 12 is that we would continue to trust the God Daniel trusted. Not to be like Daniel, listen, but to trust the God who Daniel trusted. Do you trust God that completely? Do you trust God as completely as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that they were told if, if they didn't commit a sin that they would be thrown in the fiery furnace? And they trusted God enough that they were not willing to commit a sin even if it meant their death. And do you trust God enough that even if you were commanded not to pursue God in prayer and you were willing to die rather than spend one moment not being in communion with God, do you trust God that much? I, I think sometimes that as a church and as, as a preacher that sometimes I don't trust God that much. But we have to do this. This is the main point of all of Daniel. In fact, those little sections in, in your Bibles, uh, if, if your Bibles have done this, see this little section here in the bottom of my Bible where King Darius made that poem, that decree about Daniel, those sections are set off to call our attention to what the theme of the chapter and the theme of the whole book is. And there are several sections. In chapter 2, Daniel has a section that's set apart. It's a poem, a song, that tells us what the theme of the chapter is. And in uh, Daniel chapter 4, um, the king, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, he sets apart a, a poem, a psalm, that tells us what the main point of the chapter is. And in Daniel chapter 6, the main poem, the poems are set apart to reveal the theme of the entire book of Daniel. It tells all about how we should trust God because he is in control. He is over all. He holds the, all kings and all leaders in his hand. And even in their arrogance, even when they don't realize it, they are serving his purposes. And if they continue in their arrogance, God will intervene in such a way to wipe them out. We can trust that God is in control and that poem at the end of Daniel chapter 6, which calls our attention that we should trust God. He's a living God. He is with us all the time. He knows the circumstances we are going through. Um, it sets up the next chapters, 7 through 12, the prophetic word, this uh, uh, apocalyptic literature, talking about the, the theology of how history is going to work. This one poem sets up for the rest of the book. Trust God. Let me read that poem to you again. This is the main point out of Daniel chapter 6. Trust in Daniel's God. This is God our Father who sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die for us, who loved us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his son to save you and me. This is the God we can trust. He's proved it by his love. He is the living God and he endures forever. That means he's with you and with us and he will be till the end of the age. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. His kingdom, even now, is infiltrating all other kingdoms and is growing and taking over all kingdoms until one day Jesus Christ will return and his kingdom will be here in full forever. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of lions. See, ultimately... One way or another, God will deliver his people and destroy his enemies. This is a God we can trust. 
I'll remind you if you if you don't know. In chapter 4, verse 28, where it says these words, all this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Remember in chapter 4 that God gave him a warning that he would be humbled if he didn't humble himself. And then it came to pass. And in chapter 5, verse 30, um, it says this, that very night, Belshazzar, king of the Babylonians, was slain. This was the warning that God gave. He was in control of it. He was bringing about his purposes. And now, even in Daniel chapter 26, uh, verse 22, when Daniel answered, my God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. This is a God that can be trusted. Do you trust God that much? Have you entrusted yourself to God that much? You know, by the time Daniel was thrown into the lion's den, he was probably in his 80s. Um, he had spent um, the, the book of Daniel's first chapter, first six chapters is somewhere right around 70 years in exile. And Daniel had gone through um, at least three leaders, but definitely two kingdoms, the Babylonian kingdom and the Persian kingdom. And he was in his 80s, and he was just more of what he had built himself to be. See, all through that time, he was entrusting himself to God and he was spending that time in prayer like he had always done, building that trust in God, building that communion with God. And when he became in his 80s and he was faced with this trial, he continued to trust in God. See, what you are right now is what you're going to be in your 80s. Don't think for a second that you can live a life totally away and opposite from God, and then all of a sudden in the last few years of your life, make a mad dash and a mad push to be all in on God. God is trying to call us right now out of Daniel chapter 6 to be all in with Jesus right this moment. I got to tell you, for too long, for too long, I have, I have not prayed for my family like I should. I haven't prayed daily for my family. Just two weekends ago, I had a conversation with my younger brother, and he told me that um, he is not a believer in, in so many words. And then he met with one of his friends, who I'm afraid was also not a believer. And then just a few days later, his friend was shot and killed. Now, this should be a wake-up call for my brother to turn his life over to Christ. Revelation chapter 9 says, that hardships and heartache and crisis will not necessarily turn people to repentance unto God. But this should be a huge wake-up call for me. Have I been in prayer like I want to be when I reach 80? Like I want to be the person that I want to be when I reach 80? Have I been in prayer now like I want to be later? And I got to tell you, for too long, I haven't been in prayer for my brothers like I should be. Daily persistent prayer that their hearts would be softened to hear the call of Jesus Christ over their lives, that their eyes would be open to see the beauty and glory of Jesus and fall madly in love with him because he is the greater king and he has a more noble cause than anything they've ever been a part of. And he can give them peace and comfort for their souls. And why haven't I prayed daily for my brothers? For too long, I haven't prayed daily for my wife or my family, and that changes right now. And for too long, I haven't prayed daily for our church 
And for too long, I haven't held myself accountable to go out and obey Jesus to make disciples. And too long, I haven't held our church accountable to go out and daily make disciples. And that has to change now. We have to be all in with Jesus. We have to be all in with a God we can trust. Just this past week uh, in our Bible study, um, our group took out a piece of paper and we took some time and we just spent time making a list of every single person we know, every single relationship that we have, anybody that we have contact with and that we have more contact that we know how to contact them. And we put a check mark beside their name. Were they a believer? Were they an unbeliever? Or did we not know? And then we spent time praying over that list and we said, all right, is there five names on here where they are unbelievers? Are we going to start praying for them? And then we held each other accountable and we said which day we were going to use to review our list, pray over those names, and then who were we going to contact? We held each other accountable. We gave a name. Who were we going to contact that we were going to either tell God's story to or witness to them using our testimony? Listen, we have to, have to be all in on a God we can trust now. Because when crisis comes or persecution comes our way, if we're not all in now, then we will fall away then. We cannot wait till we are 80 in crisis mode to learn how to pray. We have to learn to pray now. One of my dear friends, she was 88 years old when her husband died. And she told me, Miss Lois told me, she had never learned to pray in all of those 88 years until her husband died because he had always prayed for her. And it was only after he died that she had to learn to pray for herself. Listen, you cannot wait that long. Don't wait to learn how to pray. Learn how to pray now. Learn how to build a relationship with God now. Learn how to read your Bible. Looking for a relationship with Jesus now. Do not wait. I love how Daniel chapter 6, Daniel chapter 5, Daniel chapter 4, Daniel chapter 3 teaches us we can trust in God and he teaches us that it's not too late. We can change and do something about it now. One of the things uh, that our Bible study did uh, two weeks ago was they learned how to pray through a prayer cycle. And um, it had a cycle that said, hey, take five minutes and pray through each of these cycles and you'll end up praying for an hour. And then it taught how to pray for an hour. And the group, as they were learning, they said, hey, you know what? Let's just practice. Take it take it light. Learn how to do it. Let's pray each cycle for three minutes. And so they prayed for 36 minutes straight because they're trying to learn how to pray. Our youth group, um, some of our, our youth, uh, some of our children, Miss Cheryl has been teaching them how to pray through taco, um, where they thank God and they applaud God and they confess their sins and they pray for others and they pray for themselves and then they wait silently for God to speak to them. And she took them through a process where they started praying for 30 seconds through each of the letters and then a minute through each of the letters and then a minute and a half until they were praying through all the letters, multiple minutes, and they, they learned how to pray for half an hour. These are our, our children. They're learning how to pray right now so that when they get older, they will have that steadfast, faithful endurance. When crisis comes, they won't have crisis prayers. They'll just go to God in prayer like they always have done. This is how we have to be in right now. I think I need to hold us accountable to the smoke screens that we throw up that keep us from praying. It's a, it's a smoke screen. It's a, a distraction. And here's what it is. And see if this 
See if this catches you. And I, and I say that because I have done this. I think that sometimes we throw up a smokescreen, a distraction, where we complain about our government, or we complain about our president, or we make a large enough fuss about vaccines or masks. And if we can make a large enough fuss, we can distract ourselves or maybe even forget that we haven't spent any time for prayer, in prayer, for our government, for our president, for the pandemic, for our attitude, or for our relationship with Christ. That has to change now. We have to be all in. Jesus doesn't call us to be lukewarm with him. In Revelation, where it says, where God tells the Christians, he said, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, so I'm going to spit you out of my mouth. The city he was talking to and the Christians there, they knew what he was talking to. There was a pipeline that ran to another city that had hot springs, and it was a limestone pipeline. And by the time the hot water from the hot springs had made its way through that limestone pipeline all the way to the, to the city, it was no longer warm. It was no longer hot. It was lukewarm, and it had collected limestone sludge the whole way, and it made people vomit. And there was another pipeline, limestone pipeline, connected to a city that had cold springs. And by the time that cold spring water came through that limestone pipeline and made it to the city, it was no longer cold. It was lukewarm, and it had collected limestone sludge the whole way. And when people drank the limestone sludge from the hot springs or the limestone sludge from the cold springs, it made them vomit. And God said, that is what it's going to be like for the Christ followers who are neither hot nor cold, but they are lukewarm. He will spit them out of his mouth. This is a warning and a wake-up call for us to be all in now. And there's a reward for it. There's a reward for being all in. In Daniel's case, Daniel chapter 22, My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I done anything wrong before you, your majesty. Daniel was delivered from the lion's den to give praise and glory to God and allow us to know that we can trust him to deliver us. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says, and God, the prophet Isaiah gives us this picture of the new kingdom of God that's going to come, the new world that's going to come with the new heaven and the earth where we will be with God and he will be with us. And it says, the lion will lay down with the lamb. God is revealing to us just a little quick glimpse of a lion who, whose sole purpose is to destroy and consume has become a tame and peaceful beast. It doesn't hurt Daniel. That's a little taste of what heaven is going to be like, the reward that is going to come our way that Daniel was delivered from the lions. See, ultimately, ultimately, God always delivers his people and always destroys his enemies. God always delivers those who are all in, and he always, deliver, he always destroys those who are lukewarm. There's a warning. In Revelation uh, chapter 2, verse 10, there, there's a reward mentioned that says, Do not be afraid of what you are about to suffer. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you, and you will suffer persecution for 10 days. This is a call directly to Daniel. 10 days, chapter 1, prison, this, this lion's den. Be faithful, Jesus says, even to the point of death, and I will give you life as your victor's crown. Jesus will give us the crown of life. If we endure faithfully, 
Well, how do we do that? Well, we have to start building that habit now. You need to be all in. You need to learn how to pray. If you don't know how to be how to pray, would you join our group? We're going to start it in September. We're taking signups right now. We're going to teach you how to pray and how you can be all in for prayer, and you can develop a habit of prayer, and you don't have to wait till you're 80. You can start it now so that when you are 80, when crisis hits and when persecution comes, it will reveal your character forged in the fire of God's prayer. Do you know how to read the Bible? Do you know how to obey what Jesus says? Would you join one of our small groups? Fill out a connection card right now. I know you're at home and you can pause this, this sermon right now. The main points have already been made anyway. You can fill out a connections card and say, hey, I want to join a small group. We're going to have an online small group that teaches how to pray and read the Bible in September. Would you sign up for that right now? Send in your name and your contact and we'll help you learn how to be all in for God. You have to be all in. We need to learn how to confess our sins to one another. We need to learn how to give each other the grace that Jesus Christ has died for those sins and he rose from the dead and he declares us not guilty. There's now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. We need to learn how to do this. We need to learn how to be held accountable to share the good news of Jesus with our family and our friends. We need to learn how to pray for them and be consistent, persistently praying for them even now so that when the time comes, and Jesus meets them face to face, he will recognize them as his children. Because ultimately, God delivers his people and destroys those who are his enemies. And if you're not for Jesus, he counts you as an enemy. God will, if we are willing, God will, if we are willing, give us the strength and give us the endurance and give us the faithfulness to serve just like Daniel served and to stand firm just like Daniel stood firm when the crisis comes because we trust in this wonderful living always with us God. And I'll say it one more time. Ultimately, he will deliver his people and he will destroy his enemies. God has given us a reminder that we can be all in. And it's a reminder that we can trust him because of what he has done for us. He's already proven his love for us. He's already proven that he went all in to save us by sending Jesus Christ, his son, to live a perfect life, sin-free, never sinned, not in attitude, not in thought, not in words or actions, perfectly lived his life so that he could die in our place as a sacrifice. His body, and he told us that when we take this bread, we are to remember his body sacrificed for us. His body took our sins. He was all in for you and me. This is why we can be all in for him. His body took our sins on him. And through his crucifixion, he put those sins to death and he declares us not guilty. Would you participate in the bread and remember that Jesus has been all in for you? And this cup, Jesus told us this is the cup of the new covenant. This new covenant poured out in his blood. He reminds us that he is all in 
This is a trustworthy saying. When we are faithless, he is still faithful because he showed us he was willing to die for us on the cross. And God, raising him from the dead, proves that it's all true, proves that he has defeated sin, he has defeated Satan, he has even defeated death. And he promises we can have that eternal life beginning now. The kingdom of God is in Christ and it can be within you. And this cup reminds us that his blood covers over all of our sins, washing us white as snow. Would you participate in the cup? Let's pray. God, thank you for this call from Daniel chapter 6 and the reminder from our moment and time of communion that you can be trusted and that you're all in for us. Lord, would you give us the courage and the strength and the faith to be all in with you? God, would you begin building habits within us and give us the conviction to build habits now that would shape our character so that when crisis or persecution arrives, we just do what we've always been trained to do and we turn to you with trust, with prayer with a holy reliance on Jesus Christ and that we would trust you so much that we would be willing to die for you even if it meant uh, not committing a sin even if it meant being instructed not to communion, commune with you we would be willing to die for that moment just to have another moment with you because we trust you so much we thank you so much for this reminder from the book of Daniel and our reminder of communion that we can trust you. It's in the name of Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. I would be remiss if I didn't leave you with this one final thought. You know, all through the Bible, God is revealing to us types of Jesus, typology of Christ. And even now in this book of Daniel, in Daniel chapter 6, when Daniel was delivered from the lion's den, that den, that hole in the ground, covered over with a rock, sealed with the signet ring of the king, was Daniel's delivery. And that's a type of Christ. When Jesus was buried in the tomb, it became not only his deliverance from death, but it became ours as well. And we can trust in the resurrected power, resurrection power of Jesus Christ to allow us to be, to allow us to faithfully endure any crisis or any persecution that comes our way we can trust in the one that raises Jesus from the dead and promises he will raise us from the dead. Would you be all in with Christ? We want to help you take your next best step. If you would like more information about how to do that, visit us online at wcconline.org and fill out a Connect card. If this message has inspired you, be sure to share it with a friend and don't forget to keep up with us on social media. Thanks again for joining.